CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, folks, 27-14, Michigan gets it done on the road, beats Iowa for the first time in a long time since 2005. Michigan sort of controlled the game from the get-go, Sam Webb. Iowa made a little comeback, and then that defense came strong and closed the deal there in the fourth quarter. Let's get your initial thoughts from Mr. Sam Webb himself. Yeah, man, I thought that – you know, Kinnick is the house of horrors. Jim Harbaugh never won there. He said it's for the top five teams go to die. I thought how you start the game in a game where the opponent is clearly overmatched was vitally important. Set a tone out the gate, and Michigan did that to a T. They came out right away, hit them with a duo run play. That was the run, the staple run play last week. It was the run play that they that Blake Corum had that long touchdown run on in the Big Ten Championship game that uh, J.J. McCarthy's running down the field, 60 yards to block on. So you hit him with a play that you've been really, really successful with. You leaned on him. Really great run, pass, mix. Kept him off balance, left, right. We really saw Donovan Edwards uh, emphasize early on as well. And then the very last play of that drive, the reverse to, to uh, Ronnie Bell. I thought it was a terrific play call. It was off counter action, which Iowa really, really triggered hard on last year. Uh, against Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game. They run a, a, a counter, a, a, a reverse off the counter, completely caught Iowa off guard. It was a terrific run call. Uh, Michigan didn't really capitalize on on the uh, the other drives in the first half like you want them to. They got field goals out of it. They missed a touchdown. Another overthrow by J.J. there. But, again, not a lot of mistakes. He took the check down this week. Didn't get out of the pocket too quickly. I thought it was a sign of growth. From J.J. in that regard, they come out in the second half, get a defensive stop, right, get a touchdown on the board in a play that only J.J. – that was a J.J. McCarthy play. Think about the pass he made down the sideline from the far hash down the field was an amazing throw. And then the, the touchdown throw that he made, understand, they are in five-man protection on that play, guys. He has to beat the defensive end. He gets around the defensive end, makes a throw on the run to Donovan Edwards in the end zone. A terrific play, and then the defense late had problems getting pressure all day. And with four anyway, I thought you saw some great adjustments from Jesse Minner, getting some twist and stun action involved to really get that defensive line free. And then when they got in there late in the game, the defense, the front four really bowled up, got a key stop on fourth down. And then to close the game out, four straight pressures, a couple of sacks, a terrific way. So brilliant start to the game offensively. Brilliant finish to the game defensively. Our road dog for the Michigan insider, Alejandro, is in Iowa City. It, it looked like a crazy atmosphere down there, Alejandro. You know, obviously you had the, the emotional where everyone does the wave there in the first half. That's always a great moment. You, you said you mentioned some pink. There's the, we, we saw it on television. Tell us how the game was in Iowa City. Hey, it was a beautiful day for a football game. Beautiful day to be in Iowa City. I think you can see right behind me here, uh, there, there is the Children's Hospital. Uh, first time that Michigan's been here since it was built. 
Uh, and I know they all talked pregame, both the coaches and the players, uh, that they were going to participate in in the Hawkeye wave, and they most certainly did. Uh, but what we saw today was was a continuation of what Michigan did last year, right? Last year when they went on the road to Wisconsin, they jumped around. Last year when Nebraska shuts off the lights and does their crazy light show, they hyped it up. They did, they, they weren't intimidated by it. They, they let it happen. They soaked it all in, and they enjoyed being the enemy. And that's what happened here again today. They came out of that pink locker room, unlike what they've done before, unlike what they did in 2016. They did not paper over the locker room. They left it. It's a pink locker room. So what? They brought out the pink towels. They were waving the pink towels around, hyping up the crowd. And then, Sam, as you mentioned, they got the ball in the opening drive, and they made their plays count. I thought this was this game was why Olu Oluwatimi is so important because you have a quarterback making his a sophomore quarterback making his first start on the road. This is a place where top five teams go to die, as Jim Harbaugh said. And here you have Oluwatimi calling out protections, reading the linebacker level, and on top of that, playing a great game. He and the interior of the offensive line set the tone early, let Michigan go up 7-0. They were soon after that up 10-0, and it just felt like if you're up two scores on Iowa, (laughs) you can play your own game, right? There were very few situations here where Michigan allowed themselves to be backed up. They did not, until later in the second half, have to punt out of their end zone. They were not in second and third and long situations for the most part, And when you have that sort of even playing field, that's where Michigan's talent, its superiority on the offensive line, and its skill position players, your your Blake Corum, your Donovan Edwards, your J.J. McCarthy, who Jim Harbaugh called a younger version of himself, and better version for that matter, (laughs) those all came through. And no, it wasn't a 42-3 to scoreline. It wasn't something as lopsided as the Big Ten Championship game, but it was pretty clear that Michigan was the superior team and they did some things to this Iowa defense that no one until today has done this season. Well said, Alejandro. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, mentioned, the first true road test for J.J. McCarthy as a starting quarterback, a big win, a, a Iowa team that was only, what, that university is about three and a half hours from where he grew up in the Chicagoland area, big, big road win for McCarthy and the Michigan Wolverines. Sam, let's go back to you. I, obviously, 5-0. and oh. the, the, the offense seems to be getting better and better every week under, with J.J. Under, under the under center. What's the next step for this team as they prepare for another key road contest at Indiana next week? Yeah, so a couple of things stand out to me in this game. It was a, a growth game for J.J., for sure. Uh, you know, last week there was a lot – and I got to give Joel Klatt some credit because – you know, while I thought he sort of leaned into Iowa's getting jobbed in, uh, on the calls, he kind of leaned into that early. He got away from it late, which was which was good. Michigan did get the benefit of a of a clipping call. That was a bad call. But after that, uh, I mean, I thought the 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 officiating, the refereeing was on point. But one thing that he pointed out in last week's game that wasn't really that accurate, and I had, upon reflection, had to sort of reflect a little bit too, or, or recant a little bit too. And that was, it really seemed like, man, receivers just aren't getting open. Like, talking about against Maryland. Receivers just aren't getting open. 
uh, you know, between kind of scheming guys open a little bit more and receivers doing a better job of just working themselves free, maybe that's an adjustment moving forward. When in reality what was the case was Maryland was showing J.J. some things that he they hadn't shown on film and in turn J.J. hadn't seen before. So he was getting out of the pocket, maybe, uh, you know, getting getting away from the play before the, letting the check down develop. We saw that on a few occasions. He didn't make that mistake this week. There were definitely some times where you could tell he wanted to maybe see, see coverage revealed. Maybe he wanted to go down the field. Instead of running out of the pocket, he found his check down time and time and time. Again, that's a sign of growth for J.J. McCarthy in this game. Still missed a deep shot. You know, he wants that back, got to keep, you know, continue to get that calibrated. But later in the game, I'll go back to that throw he made from the far hash down the field, an amazing arm talent throw that he made, as well as that play he made on the move. So continue to see him grow up, because I agree with Alejandro, the play of the offensive line against a stout, a stout Iowa defense. If nothing else, if nothing else, guys, Iowa is going to take away your run game. They will take that away, and they could not. But for that fourth and one play, which Iowa said, I, I think it was a wedge call that Michigan made. I got to go back. It was either a wedge or a duo, whatever the case may be. Iowa said, you are not going to run this ball up the middle. Now, maybe in, in retro, you know, upon reflection, the coaches will say, hey, maybe we should run some play action or get J.J. on the flanks to do something else other than run into the strength of that defense. But it gets back to what we say about Iowa. Respect us. Respect us up front when we are geared up to stop the run. Uh, in that instance, they were able to do it. But for all for the rest of the day, they weren't. That's a testament to the offensive line, a testament to the running backs, how dialed in they were, they were kind of seeing their cuts. Defensively, and I want you to uh, jump in on this, Alejandro. This was another, for another game for about two and a half quarters where they struggled to get pressure with four. They did a good job of getting some pressure when – Jesse Minner sort of dialed it up. But how do you get pressure with four? And he started, you know, turning them loose with some twists and some stunts. He got Jalen Harrell, uh, Jalen Harrell free on a, on a twist. He got Iabioki free on a twist late in the game. Uh, you know, there was another twist that kind of sprung a guy. So that action kind of worked. But that last series, maybe that was revelatory because Mike Morris came up huge on that last series and there was no twist no games it was just Mike Morris beating his man off the snap beating his man with the move and then a Yabioki doing the same thing before he got a twist call to get him free maybe that's something they could build upon but that's what I'm looking at defensively can they continue to get better with their four-man pressure if they can do that that's going to take this defense to another level Alejandro yeah this is two games now Sam where it's it's been the four-man pressure has been absent throughout the game and then has come in sort of to close things out, right? So some Michigan showed it a bit last week against Maryland, happened again this week. Uh, Mike Morris looked like he got dinged up at the end, but we talked to him post-game, said, thankfully, it's just cramps. He's going to be just fine. But he said that's, that's something he was scouting for himself all game. He said, that was a mismatch. That was a move that I knew I could pull, and I had that in my back pocket, and he pulled it out. And... It was four dropbacks on that last series for Iowa when Michigan closed it out and they were able to get pressure every single time. They got a couple of sacks on that. Iyabi Oki, who is earning more snaps. I think he will continue to earn more snaps. He is an absolute weapon as a pass rusher. He gets off the ball like nobody's business. And especially against a quarterback like Spencer Petras, who 
for everything you want to say about him, he can stand in the pocket. He can make some throws as we saw today. What he can't do is roll out and break, <laughs> you know, he, he can't break a 10 yard run. Uh, you know, we saw if Michigan could get a hand on him, they could bring him down uh, for, for a big guy. He sure falls pretty easily. It seems like, uh, but, but this was, again, this, the, I think the Michigan defense, I came away a little bit less impressed with than I expected, especially with what we've heard about the Iowa offense. You know, this is the worst offense in the Big Ten and one of the worst in the country in almost every major metric. But when it came down to it, they got the stops, mm -hmm. right? And when it came down to it, when it was, you know, one last ditch effort for Iowa, it was four straight pressures, it was two sacks, and it was Spencer Petrus getting hit to the turf every single time. So I think there's a lot to be said about how much respect opposing teams have for Jesse Minter's blitz packages. This is now Kirk Ferentz uh, and Mike Loxley last week who said, we cannot be in third and long situations because we know if we put ourselves in these situations, it's going to be a problem for us. So teams respect that. Teams respect the fact that they're not getting necessarily what they're seeing on third and long situations. There's going to be blitzers coming from the secondary, from the linebacker level, some stunts, some twists. I think four-man pressure is still something that Michigan's trying to find an answer for, mm -hmm. but it did look better today against a quarterback who isn't a Talia Tungavailoa, right? Yeah, yeah except yeah. for third and 22. <laughs> except for third yeah. and 22. Yeah, except because it was – and it was a straight rush, no yep. twist, no action up front. And they couldn't really break free. So to one of two things I think he he comes off of, uh, comes out of that with either he's going to pressure there or maybe he feel or maybe he sends some some movement up front to maybe spring a guy like he did on the final play, uh, the final play, not not the final series, because they obviously scored a touchdown when Michigan was in preview after that. But the final meaningful series. Right. He he brought a stunt up front. Yabioki comes free. I think, you know, Jesse Mender still finding out what his guys can do. His package is legit. His blitz package is absolutely legit. And, Josh, you've been to Iowa several times before. You, no matter what you say about Iowa and how terrible their offense is, it's just something about them at home, man, that, you know, you, you, if, if you don't put them away, if you aren't up, if you aren't up 30 to nothing in the first half, it just feels like they're in the game. They're a player two away, and that's that that uh, that pressure where JJ fumbles that gave them just enough life to make this a, a little more hairy for Michigan down the stretch. But credit to Michigan, Josh, and you know this: you got to stomp them out. And Michigan was not able to do that in the past. They were able to do that tonight. Yeah, I think a, a key advantage to this, and, and I I feel like this game generally the background where Alejandro's standing, it's pretty dark out. It's generally a night game. I feel like it's always a night game. This is the one time it's a noon kick. I think the Iowa just not being that good played a big role in that. But, yeah, generally Michigan is in a tight contest. You almost felt it getting a little tense there. It was 20-7. to 7. Like you mentioned, <laughs> Iowa was knocking on the door, and then Michigan found a way. They got the – it was fourth and two, and they got the key stop. Uh, they made Petrus make a play, and he just couldn't make that throw. And, and that, that was all she wrote, Michigan – squeaked it out and then sort of just ran away with it then i want to give a shout out to blake corum he's become quite the workhorse for this michigan football can we uh, can we say heisman watch can we say I mean, alejandro i mean you think 
It's, I mean, the guy is, I, I think he's leading the country in, in touchdowns right now, rushing touchdowns right now. 10 touchdowns. He had 29 carries again. He had 29 carries this week for like 130 plus yards. Plus, of course, he had one of the all time greatest games in Michigan football history last week as far as uh, single game rushing yards. So I think he's like 370 plus yards the past two weeks. So it's a, it's a great run for him. The more Michigan continues to win, I think I agree with you, Sam. Quorum's going to have to be in that discussion, especially for the Dope Walker Award. Especially, he's going to be in that discussion. So he's off to a, a definitely a great start this season. Yeah, great stuff. Well, look, look for a full recap and coverage, Alejandro from Iowa City. We're going to have our, our recap talking to all of our different analysts about the game. And by the way, look out for Monday morning quarterback. Look out for Monday morning quarterback like we always do in all of the analysis breakdowns with Vance and with Al. But I'm pointing to Monday morning quarterback in particular because before the game, Reggie Bush, who I've been saying Devin Gardner should replace. Who, who doesn't think Reggie, Reggie Bush should be replaced by Devin Gardner on the big noon broadcast, right? His analysis before the game, he said, Iowa is going to upset Michigan because their crowd is fired up. That was his analysis. Iowa's going to upset Michigan because the Hawkeye crowd is fired up. So with that kind of analysis, I got to believe there's room for that. We got to talk to Devin about that. What does he think about that piece of analysis from Reggie Bush and all other meaningful analysis, not only throughout the day. We have Alejandro and Zach Shaw in Iowa City. We're going to have our full breakdowns with, with our guys, and we get into the film breakdowns coming up during the week. So looking forward to that. Josh, I, can we make a habit of this, Josh Newkirk? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I, I like it, Sam. All right. Blake, I guess I'll wrap it up for Alejandro, for Sam. I'm Josh. That's going to wrap it up for all our coverage and more. So look for our coverage and more around the MichiganInsider.com. And that's, that's a wrap. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 